Well, if you've got your Bibles with you tonight, we'll be opening up to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. This has been a passage of Scripture that I've been looking forward to getting to. You know, this first, these first several chapters of the book of Romans, um, Paul has been doing quite a bit of teaching. Quite a bit of teaching. We saw in Romans chapter 1 how, boy, the whole world stands guilty before the Lord. And, and then he starts to present his case about what salvation is. And then he taught us that there's a difference between the Jew and there's a difference between the Gentile. And, and how, boy, the Gentiles, that we are blessed today to be part of God's word. But then he also taught us that he's not done with the Jews. He just kind of set them aside. And he's taught us about uh, how we can have grace and how there's perks to being a Christian and, and the, how uh, God works with us and through us. But tonight as we switch over to chapter 12, Paul kind of changes his tone just a little bit. He starts to talk about our personal responsibility as Christians. He starts talking about what our job is. Because you, you really... <coughs> excuse me. I apologize. If you realize tonight... When God saved us, He didn't save us and make us whole and, and, and send His Son here on the earth to die on the cross and then just, just leave it there and to be done with. Did you know this right here, I believe, uh, chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2, He actually gives us what I believe is the very first step in the walk of any Christian's life. The very first step. And you know, now we would say, oh, well, I thought after you get saved, you're supposed to uh, be baptized. Well, you are. You know, and I thought, you know, a Christian's supposed to do this, and they're supposed to do that. Well, in a way, yeah, we could say they are. But all of those things can actually be wrapped up in verses number 1 and 2. And it's very practical. I love now, as we're getting ready to get into these next few chapters, we're going to start looking at us and some things that we can actually act on and some things that we can do. So what we'll do, let's read right here, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Again, our God and Father tonight, as we look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I ask that you would speak to us. Uh, Lord, help us to hear from you and help us to be listening. Help us to have attentive ears tonight as we read through this passage. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us and speak to my own heart this evening. Lord, we love you and thank you, for it's in your name. Amen. Folks, so what we need to see is there is a certain step that I believe every person needs to take that wants to follow the Lord. And really, that starts right here in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. When Paul, he's asking the Christians this. As he writes this letter, he is asking them to do something. I, I beseech you, brethren, do this. Please, I'm, I'm begging with you. I'm pleading with you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Well, what is it, Paul? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That you present your bodies... A living sacrifice. So what does that mean? What am I supposed to do? Well, folks, I believe the first step that every Christian needs to take after they get saved, they need to do this right here. 
they need to present themselves as a living sacrifice. Now, what does that mean? And why would you say this is for everyone? Well, the first thing he says this, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Hey, this is just what's reasonable. I mean, this is, this is simple. This is what some would say is baseline Christianity. Man, this is just, this is where it starts. Okay, well, if it's for everyone, well, then what is it, preacher? He says to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So let's stop right here just for a few minutes, and let's take a thought about this living sacrifice before we get to chapter number two. So that's what I see that I want to have. I want to have a living sacrifice. Folks, something is very intriguing to me. You know, when you study through God's Word. You know, if you remember in Sunday school a while back, we talked about how in the Bible there are different dispensations, right? In which we said that's just a fancy word for saying that there's different time periods. And during different time periods, God works with different people in different ways. That's all it means. You know, when at the very beginning of time, there was Adam and Eve, and boy, God, he, he walked with them, he talked with them in the cool of the day, and I mean, there was, there was no sin. We say that was, that was a certain time period. And, and then there was a time where there was a law and man, there was the Jews and God told them they were supposed to go and make sacrifices. And that was a different time period. And now today we don't have to do that. But the interesting thing is this. If you'll notice throughout all of time, from the beginning of God's word until now, anytime someone wanted to worship the Lord, it cost them something. Anytime someone wanted to serve the Lord, it cost them something. Now, let's put that, let's make that very simple. In the Old Testament, when someone wanted to go and serve the Lord, they would look out in their field and, and they, would, they would offer up something they could afford. Sometimes if they were a very rich and wealthy man, boy, they would offer this, this uh, a large cow. You know, I mean, that was, uh, that was the bull. It was, man, that was a prized possession. And if they weren't able to afford that, then maybe they would have a sheep. So, man, they had to go and they had to offer up a lamb, a lamb that was spotless, without blemish. It was perfect. And boy, that was a picture of Jesus. And sometimes if they couldn't do that, they would have to offer up a, a dove. And then furthermore than that, if they didn't, uh, if it wasn't had to do with these sacrifices, what if someone wanted to worship the Lord? Think about when Solomon was building his temple or when they were building the house of God. Folks, people would come and they would offer of their time and they would work on this temple. They would offer their monies to help build it. And whenever someone wanted to actually do something for the Lord, say someone wanted to go even today and, and be a missionary, they wanted to uh, go and do this and serve the God in this way, it cost them their time. It cost them their efforts. Folks, anytime someone wanted to do something for the Lord, it cost them something. Now, we can't, we can't say that, you know, I'm just going to serve the Lord, but it's not going to, it's not going to affect me in any way. No, well, well, by default, it's going to affect you. It just is. It's just like, folks, it's just like being married. You know, I can't say that I am going to get married, but man, it's not going to affect my life or change me anyway. No, it's going to. I mean, the, the minute that you get married and the minute that you say, I do, I mean, there's, there's that, you know, that old joke, what's, you know, what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine, that kind of thing, right? I mean, you know, when we start sharing what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine, we give to each other, we love each other, and we, we work together. And now, every day when I come home, I am with my family. 
know, that's not, that's not a long time. That's me with them. Or when I take care of my family, that means I'm sacrificing of myself to give to those that I love. If I am going to worship the Lord, by default, somewhere, it's going to cost me something. Now, with that in mind, look what Paul is trying to say here in Romans chapter 12. Re- remember, keep this thought. He is now speaking to new Christians, okay? There was no uh, established church age during this time. They, they, they couldn't open up a telephone look, book and look at all the different churches. They, they couldn't do that. He's talking to people that are just now learning that, wow, okay, Christ died on the cross. My sins are forgiven. I, I, we, don't, we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. This is a new thought. They, they've never heard this before. So Paul is going to take something that they know, that they understand, and teach them a lesson with it. He's going to kind of use, uh, use a metaphor or an analogy, if you will. That's why he says in verse number one, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay, here's the difference. Here's what they knew. They used to present animals' bodies as a dead sacrifice. Now, Christian, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies living sacrifices. Not animals dead, your bodies living. And so they understood what a sacrifice was already. They had seen it. Folks, they had been to the temple. They had seen the blood get spilt. They had known what the cost of sin was. And so now, hey, having their sins forgiven, he said, brethren, I'm beseeching you. What you need to do is to present your bodies to the Lord. And furthermore, he says, man, this is just what's reasonable. This is just what every Christian ought to do. This is just what we all ought to do. So folks, what I want to do is I want to be someone that's willing to offer myself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. I want to give myself. Now, okay, well, preacher, does that mean that I have to give myself to serving the Lord every minute of every day? Does it mean I'm going to be full-time in the ministry? Well, no, but it does mean that we're going to be full-time Christians. It does mean that we're going to be full-time children of God. What it means is I am going to look at the Lord and say, Lord, everything that I am, it's yours. There is nothing in my life that's off the table. Here I am. Take it. Just use me. Whatever you, whatever you want for me. You know, there was a story told, uh, true or not, I don't know. This is one that's been told a number of times. But, you know, there was, there was told of this young boy. He was in a meeting overseas. And every night, you know, they would take up a collection. And this young boy, he wanted to give something to, to the church, to the work of the Lord. And, boy, the offering plate would come by, and he didn't have any money to put in because, you know, you know he just didn't have it. He was just broke. He didn't have anything. And then the second night of the meeting, the same thing. The third night of the meeting, he still didn't have anything. And finally, the last night when the offering plate would come around and he wanted to wanted so bad to give something to the Lord, it finally clicked. And metaphorically speaking, he took the offering plate, he sat it on the ground and stood in it. Kind of saying, you know what? I might not have anything I can give or anything I can do. He says, I can give myself. Lord, here I am. Just, there, there's nothing off the table. I am yours. And folks, what that means symbolically, we need to come to the place in our hearts And I believe with all my heart, there needs to be a day in our lives where as Christians, we come before the Lord and we say, Lord, 
whatever it is you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. What is it? And actually, literally, ask him. Ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have for me? What do you want out of my life? And if I can come to the place where I can actually tell the Lord, Lord, everything I've got is yours. Take it away. Give me more. Whatever you want, whatever you want to do with me, that's that's fine. I mean, if you if you want me to just sell everything I've got and and go here to do this, then, then that's well, that's going to be okay. Because I'm just going to follow you and I'm just going to trust you. And what we're doing in that moment, we are taking our bodies and we're presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. Lord, I'm sacrificed, and I'm going to keep on living for you. You know, the interesting thing about a sacrifice is that you can't sacrifice just a little piece of something. Have you ever have you ever thought that? I know it sounds kind of silly, but imagine in, in your mind, and, and bear with me here, if I had, in the, I was in the Old Testament, man, I had this, this little lamb, and I went up to the priest, and I said, all right, priest, here's my sacrifice. You know, this is the perfect, this is the spotless lamb, and we haven't had it that long, and it's, it's perfect. Here's our sacrifice. But, priest, what we're going to do, though, you can have the front half of this lamb. The second half of this lamb, I'm going to keep this part alive so I can take it home with me and it can keep growing. I know that, that sounds ridiculous. But that's, that's the thought. A sacrifice is all in. It's 100%. You can't halfway sacrifice something. It just it doesn't work. <laughs> One time, William, and this, and, and bless his heart, you know, as, as we would say, he didn't know any better. He was in the back seat of our car, and, and he had a dollar. And for whatever, I can't remember why he even had the dollar, but man, he had this thing. He was excited about this dollar. And then Henry, he was sitting right there next to him, and, and Henry, I think he had one too, but Henry had dropped his, and it was in the floor. And William was looking at his dollar, and he thought, well, man, now Henry doesn't have one. So William, he took his dollar, he ripped it in half, and said, here you go, Henry. Mama, look, now Henry's got one too. And he took that thing in half, and he had such a wonderful heart about it, because he just wanted to give his brother something, you know. But he didn't see that, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You know, you, you can't tear a piece of money in half, and then you each have something. Now, that's, that's not the way it works. It's either all or nothing. That's, that's the way a sacrifice works. Folks, if I'm going to be a living sacrifice before the Lord, I can't say, Lord, you can have this part of me, this part of me, this part of me, but not this part of me. If I hold on to this piece, I'm not sacrificed yet. If I'm keeping this little part to myself, I'm not sacrificed yet. Because a sacrifice is either all or nothing. It can't be divided up. So what our reason, <coughs> me. what our reasonable service is is this. Paul says, I beseech you that by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Folks, make yourself this. Watch. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Folks, this is just where it starts. I believe in my heart of heart that what Paul is trying to teach to us is that the moment that we get saved, we just need to give ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, take me and use me. And again, that doesn't mean he's going to make you sell your house and move out and you know go to some third world country. That's not automatically what it means. But what it means is, is that you're just willing to give everything to him. And now we might think to ourselves, that, wow, how does a guy come to the point that he's willing to give up everything that he has? I mean, you're talking about 
taking a lifetime of, of building and, and, and working and friends and family. You're talking about an entire life. How does a guy just willingly let go of those things if it was asked of him? Well, notice what Paul said. He didn't just say, brethren, give yourselves a living sacrifice. He said, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Folks, while something like this might sound kind of difficult, folks, it all comes by the mercy of God. I want to tell you, the very same way that we got saved is the very same way that we live the Christian life. It is impossible for me to live a Christian life outside of the help of God. I can't do it. I will never be able to be sacrificing myself the way I ought to. I'll never be able to willingly just let go of everything in my life to give it over to the Lord without God's help. Folks, it's by the mercies of God. So what we ought to do is very simply put, if I'm going to obey verse number one, I am going to ask the Lord for his help and say, Lord, I want you to help me to let go of the things of this world. Lord, help me to let go. I realize that doesn't mean you're just going to take it away from me, but help me not to be holding on to it so tightly. And Lord, help me just to give it all into your hands. And then allow him to take it and do with it whatever he wants. Because I promise you, he can do a better job with the stuff in my life than I can. He absolutely can. He, he, he just has a way of working things out that, that we would have never been able to do a good job with. So we see that first, if the first step, a reasonable service of being a Christian is this. I ought to offer myself to God. I ought to give myself over to the Lord. And there's a second part of this as well, in the same thought. And then we'll finish up with this one. It's just two great thoughts tonight. Number two is this. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So folks, here's this thought. Now, verse number two is not talking about uh, what I do, right? Now, verse number one talked about uh, us giving ourselves to the Lord. Now, verse number two is talking about, boy, who I am. It's talking about the kind of person I am. What, what is it said about, about Trevor Martin? What do people think about when they say his name? Folks, the Bible says, as a Christian, be not conformed to this world. You know, there are two great camps, if you will, in this world. There are those that wish to be godly and those that wish to be worldly. I mean, really, at the end of the day, that's it. There's the things of God and there's the things of the world. And the two are contrary one to the other, right? We have Satan and the things that he wants to do and, and the powers of evil and sin and the things that are, are completely against the things of God. Now, I have to ask myself, do I want to be one of the Lord's or do I want to be of the world? Do I want to be given over to the things of God or do I want to be given over to the things of the world? Here in verse number two, Paul is actually telling us, be not conformed to this world. Look, as a child of God, people ought to look at me and the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I act. They ought to know that there's just, that guy doesn't fit in here, meaning the world. You know, that guy, he doesn't, he just doesn't seem to, to fit into the way that the things of this world go. I'll give you an example. And this is one that 
it, it stuck with me. I heard this way back when I was in high school. So we're talking, you know, over 10, 15 years ago. This one preacher, I remember he was teaching us in, uh, in high school. And he was t- telling us about how some people have a testimony. And you can just look at them and you can just, you just know the kind of person that is. Now I want to draw you a picture. Say, for example, you're in Bozeman. And boy, you go to Bozeman and you need to go into some kind of store in Bozeman. Let's say you're just going into the Walmart. And man, when you go into Walmart, you're walking down one of the aisles and you look up and you see this guy. Boy, this guy, he's, he's, he's walking towards you and he's just got, man, he's, he's real pale. And this guy, he's got some real, real dark tight makeup on. His hair is just all kinds of different colors. And, you know, he's got chains and stuff hanging off of him. This guy, if you were to look at him, he probably is not listening to Patsy Klein type music, right? I wouldn't think so. And he probably doesn't hang out at the rodeo when it comes into town. I wouldn't guess. Because you can just sometimes look at a guy, and if you were to talk to him, generally, the way people are, and I know we can't always judge a book by its cover. Believe me, I understand that. But what I am saying is, people usually associate themselves with a certain type of situation. Let's say you have another guy. He pulls up here in the parking lot, and boy, he he jumps out of this big old F-350 that he's got, and boy, it's just just covered in mud, and you know, he's got his western cap and his boots on, and and you know, I'm probably going to guess he is not associated with the other group either. I mean, it's just, you know, that's not going to (laughs) be, that's not going to be the crowd that he would run with. And so we see naturally, you know, we, we gravitate towards a certain group of people or, or there are certain uh, groups of people that we associate with. So I have to ask myself, when people look at me, when they talk to me, when they know me, when they think of Trevor Martin, do they think of worldly or do they think of godly? And so what we're seeing in verse number two, though, Paul is telling us, be not conformed to this world. Listen, as a Christian, it it ought not to be said of me, man, he's just like we are. The world shouldn't be able to look at me and say, hey, he's one of us. Man, he's one of ours. He's just like we are. No, folks, even Jesus Christ, when he was here in this world, he spent time with the sinners. Okay, he went to Zacchaeus' house. He loved them. He cared for them, but he also was not one of them. Do you understand? We can love, we can love, excuse me, we can love the world and we can uh, love sinners and we can do our best to serve them and be godly in that way, but it doesn't mean I'm one of them. Which brings us to our next thought. Be not conformed to this world. Well, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? But be ye transformed. There's a change. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice he said our minds ought to be changed. Here's why he says transformed. Notice he says don't be like the world because folks from the minute we're born, we're already like the world. The day that we are born, the day that we come into this earth, we already have a sin nature because of what Adam did when they bit off the fruit you know, thousands of years ago. That's already happened. We're already part of that world. So what I have to do is I have to have my mind changed, transformed. It has to be completely different. I need to have my mind changed 
to be like Christ. You know, there was this one preacher, he said something kind of funny. He said he was looking at this passage, and you know, for a long time it was taught that a mind, once it's actually formed, that it can never be changed. It can never be reprogrammed. That, that's something that, that, that people taught for a long time. But apparently, this idea is now starting to be debunked. So this guy, this one preacher, he was he's a pretty well-known guy. You know, he had a name for himself. Anyhow, he decided to get on the phone and call Dr. Ben Carson's phone. <laughs> and he called him. And he referenced this verse. And he said, Ben, I have heard that they are now saying that a mind can be programmed. He said, is that true? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And then the preacher, he, he kind of laughed with him. He said, well, you know, that's funny because the Bible told us that thousands of years ago anyway, that a mind can be changed. Now, we realize, for us, that happens in Christ. The moment Christ Jesus moves, excuse me, the moment that Christ Jesus moves in, it changes something about me. Now, I have to make sure I take the steps to say, you know what? I am not going to be of the world anymore. This isn't who I am. This isn't part of me. I'm still here. I still love them. I'm still going to care for this group. And I'm still going to uh, give my heart to them. But I am now of the Lord. That means my mind's going to be focusing on the things of God. That means sometimes... I have to change the way I think and compare it to the things of God's Word. Did you know that sometimes the Bible changes the way that I think about things? You know, it has. There, there have been some times I've had opinions to myself. I thought, well, it seems to me that this is right, this is right, this is right. And I've been in a conversation with someone. And they'll say, really? Well, you know, the Bible says this, this, and this. And I'll have to look in God's Word and I'll have to say, wow. Okay. I was wrong. You know, because that's what the Bible says. And that is me changing my mind away from the things of the world and transforming them to the things of God's word. So I don't, if I'm going to obey verse number two, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, be ye changed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Folks, I want the perfect will of God in my life. That's what I want. I want God to open doors in front of me and make such a clear path in front of me that I only have one way that I can go. That's what I want. I want God to open my doors, I want Him to shut my doors, and I want Him to lead me. But that means I also have to be letting Him lead me. I have to be to the place where I'm not going to fight the Lord and the things that He wants. Because, you know, do you know I can still fight my own way through life? I can. I can tell God no. When he has a plan for me, I can say, no, I don't want to do that. No, absolutely I can. I mean, we see people in the Bible doing that. You know, we, we, we reference this guy, at least I do quite a bit. I always think about Jonah. You know, God said, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he said, no, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And he got down in a boat and started going the other direction. He was running from the Lord. He was willingly and blatantly disobeying God. Now, we know, praise the Lord, he ended up going where he's supposed to eventually anyway. But still, we have the ability to do that. So it's my job as a Christian to do these two things. Number one, present my body as a sacrifice to the Lord. Folks, I want to ask you, has there ever been a day and time where you presented yourself to God? Now, I'm not just talking about being saved, because notice... I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's already talking to the brethren. He, he wrote this book to the Christians in Rome. He's talking to those that are already saved. 
I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Christian, tonight, have you presented your body as a sacrifice? Folks, that's a decision I believe that absolutely we can make. And that the Lord, if we do that, he'll be able to better lead us. And number two, where is our mind tonight? If we had to say, is my mind conformed to this world? Am I like this world is? Because, you know, I think of that word conformed, and maybe this is a bad analogy, but this is what it makes me think of. You know, you ever seen uh, the little cookie cutters that you can make uh, jello shapes out of? I used to do that with my grandma. You know, she'd have this tray, and I, we'd, we'd pour it out there, and, and then after the jello would freeze, we could take the tray out, and I'd have little dinosaur shapes of jello, right? I mean, yeah, I, used to, I used to do that, and it was fun. You know, jello is something that will always conform to the shape of whatever you put it in. That's just what it is. Folks, what he's telling us is, is our mind molded to the way that this world is teaching us? Do I just give in and buy into every little thought this world is going to throw at me? Or do I change my mind to the things that God's word tells me? Do I transform my mind? Do I renew my mind to the things that God has for me? So I believe our greatest two mandates that we look at tonight out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Folks, I want to encourage you, let's do these two things. One, if you've never done it, and this may be even something that we need to continuously do every day when our feet hit the floor. God, what do you have for me today? You know, some folks say they try to die to themselves daily. You know, that's, that's something that's the way some people have to put it. And what they mean is they, they want to take the things that they want and they want to set them aside. You know, I'm going to... I'm going to kill my thoughts. I'm going to kill my desires, my wants. Lord, what do you have for me today? So let's continuously do this. Let's set ourselves aside and be that living sacrifice. And then number two, we don't want our minds over here molded to the way the world shapes are. Let's have our minds over here changed to the thoughts of God. I want my mind to be like the mind of Christ. I want my mind to be like the mind of God's word. I want my mind to be so full of God's truths that I look at everything through the glasses of God's Word. Now, I want the Bible to be like a, like a pair of glasses. You know, you put them on and everything you look at, boy, that's, that's the way you're looking at it through. That's what I want to see is the things of God's Word. So folks, in conclusion, let's just do this. Let's have our mind focused on God. Have we done what is our, simply our reasonable service, just giving ourselves to the Lord? So if we could, let's have every head bowed and and every eye closed.